Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics, comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, Editor of PW Comics World, and Editor of The Fanatic, PW's twice a month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com, the new site of comics culture. And you can find us on Twitter at, at PWComicsWorld. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on iTunes. <laughs> and don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on the Apple Podcast app, on Google Podcasts, and on Stitcher. And on social media, finally, we're back, ladies and gentlemen, uh, where you can find us Yay. at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. I don't know how it happened, uh, but it did. Uh, and uh, that's the, one of the big news stories of the year for us. One of the biggest stories of the year, the PW Comics World Facebook page is back. I have been unlocked out of my uh, of our of our Facebook page. So, uh so yeah but in continuing news I continue to be locked out of my <laughs> uh, Facebook uh, well. profile despite sending five days talking to people actually at Facebook who all sent me in circles so again if you work at Facebook and know how I can get my personal profile back please email me at Heidi at comicsbeat.com and in the meantime if you also like this also send us a note if you like this podcast please give us a rating give us a thumbs up subscribe all those things really help us and of course we love to get feedback uh, we love our listeners and we love listening to what our listeners have to say talk to us why don't you all right this week on more to come our annual year in review yes the biggest stories events uh and and stuff that's bugging us it from 2021 and uh, on that note, what, what, what do we think is the biggest story of 2021? He asks as if we have not discussed we, we, it. Which we discussed this. in depth before we started this podcast. Um, well, I guess we all agreed that it was uh, Marvel leaving Diamond and going to Penguin Random House. Because this move, of course, has a lot of impact for Marvel. Um, but it just has a lot of impact for the comics industry in general. It's just meant changes in the air and... Um, and change for the good, we hope. It has yes. impact for everyone, for Diamond, for the book market, uh, for the direct market, um, yeah. for PRH in the direct market. It just seems fascinating, and it does. It, it, we, I, I, it, it seems as though it could lead to so many good things. We'll see. That it, doesn't there are mean definitely that, some growing pains. That, exactly. It doesn't mean there won't be challenges <laughs> yeah. along well, the path. Yes. And when this was announced, of course, there was doomsaying among some comics retailers. But other comics retailers were just like, you know what? I already order from Penguin Random House for graphic novels because they offer free shipping mm-hmm. and no re- reorder fees the way Diamond does. Diamond continues to be unable to offer those, by the way. Um and so they took it. And, uh, you know, Calvin and I, of course, and Kate have been keeping very close eye on mm-hmm. this and cl- very close eye on what PRH is saying about mm-hmm. it. And it was our opinion that they, you know, why, why on earth would you take up a horrible business like distributing, um, uh, periodical okay. comics? Uh, it's a good, yeah. Uh, it's a, that's a very good question. It's also the question that for years made me dismiss any notion that, uh, 
really one of the biggest distributors in the world would would really want to get involved. But really, um, uh, uh, what we have heard over time is that they see this as a, as a uh, as a channel right for development. And, and I, th- I think I've mentioned yeah. this for all kinds of book projects, uh, publishing projects. Yes. Um, frankly, it's they haven't quite gotten there yet. I think they got a little cocky about how difficult it would really be because they're like, hey, we already distribute books and periodicals to bookstores. How much difference can this be? And uh, you know, there were there were differences. So the the wrap on PRH is that they are a little bit um, high on their own supply of how great yeah. they are. That we've I've heard that from many mm-hmm. people actually, including yeah. former employees of Random House. Uh-huh. And so indeed, when this rolled out in October, so basically this I think this was announced in April, right? Mm. And uh, so they had yeah, six months like to that. get it right. And in October, uh, despite having spoken to retailers at length, having, I think there was even like demonstrations, um, they shipped everything out in these flimsy little boxes that, you know, the, the, the internet was ripe, right? At New York Comic Con, the internet was ripe with these photos of damaged boxes of comics, yep. bent, spine bending, spine rolling, uh, just, you know, damaged corners, dings and cracks, everything that horrible that could happen to a comic. Um, and, and there was great, Shouting and crying. Yes. yes. And laughing, depending mm-hmm. on who you asked. There are certain people who are more protective of the comics, and there are certain people who more prefer to say, I told you so! Yes. Um, however, yeah. in their defense, PRH yes. seemed to quickly pivot and get mm-hmm. larger, more sturdy boxes. Mm-hmm. And I haven't heard it. You know, it's kind of quieted down. It seems uh, like yeah, there's... It seemed, to, it seemed to quiet down pretty quickly. Yeah. There seemed... I mean, the one, uh, you know... Uh, I talked to one retailer who was like said it's a mess. Talked to him uh, after the initial for his next their next delivery, and they said, "Oh, everything's great." <laughs> so I don't know. This is one retailer, yeah. mind you. But uh, uh, my understanding is that uh, PRH took a took this extremely seriously. Um, they uh, they indeed do spout about how. Uh, Impressive or the, their scale, uh, and they'll do anything to maintain. Yes, be continuing to be. Able and to and say I that. think what the um, I think there's two things reasons why why PRH did this despite uh, what Calvin was saying about why on earth would anybody want to do this is um, uh, and, you know Marvel's the number one brand. Disney slash Marvel yeah. is the number one brand in the entertainment yeah. world. And, you know we'll talk a little bit later about movies and. Uh, streaming and, and mm-hmm. that's our end of things, but Marvel rules the roost. It's the absolute, you know, the only thing that survived the pandemic pretty much unscathed. Um, so who wouldn't want to be, um, you know, connected to that brand? And number two, really, yeah. this is the number one reason. And I'm, I, I think I've mentioned this on this podcast before, but very simple. When a retailer gets that order form for Marvel Comics, down at the bottom is a whole bunch of uh, products from Random House and Penguin and all these other things. And I guess those 2,000 stores probably order a bunch of them. So yeah. more customers, more sales. Yeah. And let's and remember, uh, they also have the other big comics brand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, I mean, they were already clients. distributing. Yes. Um, they distribute DC comics, yeah. you know, DC uh, graphic novels and books. Right. But, you know, now now they're in the periodical business as well. Um, yeah. But I think I think part of it has to do with the size of this company. Hmm. They don't have a lot 
of new markets to explore in the English-speaking world. Mm-hmm. They yep. have already expanded to capacity within their niche. So the obvious next step for them is to enlarge their niche. And so, you know, as is going to come up with uh, another corporation or two throughout this, you know, those shareholders, they want that rapid growth, even if it's a mature mm-hmm. market. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's just not a lot of other indie booksellers except for, oh, wait, theoretically, <laughs> comic stores are a whole new set they of indie bookstores. They Correct. absolutely are. Um, yeah, I'd actually made a little chart here. And Penguin Random House already distributed Archie, Dark Horse, DC, IDW, now IDW, IDW just went over, uh, Kadansha. Well, they've been in doing IDW books, now yes, they're doing yes. mm-hmm. Right, they were doing their books before, Seven mm-hmm. Seas and Titan, mm-hmm. NZ2. Yeah. Among other publishers yeah. into bookstores. Um, yep, yep. so, uh, yeah, no surprise there. But yeah, IDW later on went over for their periodicals as well. But, uh, you know, listen, IDW, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, you know, we don't even, mm. yeah, there's a lot of, they've lost a lot of licenses. So, um, yeah, yeah. All Oops. Right. So, but yes, Marvel to PRH continues. We um, will, uh, more yeah. to come in 2022. More, more, to come, more to come. Yeah, all right. Uh, but I guess the second biggest story of the year was, Supply chain. Yes. Now, you know, one thing uh, I just want to bring out, uh, we first reported uh, on the podcast on the supply chain thing uh, sometime, I think it was in March, doing the manga, Mm -hmm. the first manga feature. Dev Aoki was, that was one of the biggest parts of that uh, manga feature was what was happening to the supply chain for manga publishers. And at that point, Mm -hmm. she started talking about how, uh, I believe it was um, Kevin Hamrick at this who said, we're we're having to... uh, to do try triage, either we're going to print the front list, or we're going to print back uh, 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 back backlist bestsellers that people are also clamoring for. She said it, it, it's tough, and they yeah. don't see the crush uh, dissipating. And that was mid, in March. It's the mid list. It's the mid list that is really getting hit and that's getting pushed back because they are going to reprint that super top bestseller, and they are going to bring out the things that they think is the new big thing. But, you know, that book that's pretty steady in the middle falls between the cracks. Yeah. But, I mean, the supply chain uh, did worsen throughout the year, but it re- yes. remained especially acute for manga. Yes. Um, like, you cannot get a lot of, uh, you know, later volumes and a lot of uh, very popular, and you, you know, yeah. there's no mm-hmm. reorders uh, possible on a lot of this manga. Uh, printers are booked for months and months. Like they have their press time booked and you know, you can't ship yeah. books late anymore. That's for sure. Well, you can now. <laughs> well, I, I'm just saying it's like if you have your time booked yeah. at the printer, oh, right. you have to make that window. Right. I've talked to a couple publishers about that. Oh, it's like absolutely. You have to make that window. Like you can, let's put it this way. You may ship late because of the printer, mm-hmm. but you better get it to the printer on time. Yes. Um, like for example, um, Seven Seas had basically their biggest new license of all time, even according to Seven Seas, which was their new uh, Danme line, which is to say um, Chinese LGBT novels. And from MXTX, uh, the creator of no less oh, than three mm-hmm. major franchises, like big, massive international hit even before there were any official translations in English. Um, You know, this was their biggest book ever. And they did their largest print runs ever. And they had to push back 
both the printing of those books and the printing of a lot of their other books in order to get this out. Wow. Um, and that's with a book that's 95% text with just some spot illustration that can be printed on a wide variety of printers. But listeners, if, if you are not a graphic novel geek and you're just somebody who's here because you're interested in the industry, maybe you're, you know, buying for your bookstore or your, your library, like, comic fans and manga fans care very very deeply about image quality you cannot print these books on just any printer there are a limited number of printing houses around the world that print this stuff at this quality well that's it i mean any any printer can can slap something on paper but you know there's only there's a limited number but you know another issue oh i'm sorry what i was gonna say is is while it's definitely striking print books, you have a little more margin for error in printing mm-hmm. text that you do not have right. in print. But I, you know, images. another problem is that, as a lot of articles about this explained, is that after two thousand eight, after the that economic crash that we had, a lot of people, and then you know, I think the Nook and the Kindle and the the Kobo. Remember the Nook uh, and the yes. Kobo? They ever, you, you have to have, I remember the parties they gave to launch the Yes, first, they did. Uh, back in the day when we had big parties. Well, Kobo <laughs> has remained as a uh, e-book store. Yes, but let's, well, let's not... But not much as right, a, a right. device. Anyway, right, go on. Right, right, right. Anyway, well, with the rise of these devices and yeah. the e-books, everybody's like, nobody's going to want to buy a book and print anymore. So basically, well. North America, like... A lot of their giant printing presses just shut down, and there's just literally not enough presses because, as our I think our next story is about the surge in book sales, the surge in comic sales. So there's just not enough. There's not enough paper. There's not enough printing time. There's not enough truckers. Yeah. And, 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 the, and the key element is they they're facing shortage of, of staff, just like every other yeah. industry. And they can't staff more shifts. Yeah. And yeah. part of it is that it globalized a lot mm-hmm. in a yeah. way that a physical product that can be transmitted digitally probably should not have been because um, starting in the mid-first decade of the 2000s, suddenly a large quantity of books for the United States market were being printed in China, which nothing against China, but when you're supply chain breaks down there was a lot of steps causes a problem yeah there's a lot now the the shift to overseas printing left a lot of steps in the chain and uh, all of those steps have broken down now i'm hearing though that that things are improving i'm hearing that the crunch some of those container Mm -hmm. ships offshore have been able to dock and unload their their uh you know containers so i'm hearing it's beginning to ease up a little bit calvin are you hearing this at all uh you know what i can't say one way or the other i mean my, my understanding i mean i've heard that are various attempts to do so uh but you know the the problem is that the, uh, this issue isn't at one point mm, in yeah, the supply yeah. chain it's at every point yes. in the there's no chain. paper there either, or, or there's no truck drivers yes. or there's not enough space in the warehouse or there i mean it's so it so uh it's, uh, i've heard that there are attempts and obviously we've heard of their national attempts to try to clear some of these container ships great but if you know if they're unloading the ships and they're just stacking them up wherever they are and they're not being moved to warehouses and onto 
even subsidiary uh, distributors, well, you know, the problem continues. Well, and it's not just that. It's anybody who has ever gotten behind at work can tell you that once stuff piles up, it is real hard to not keep playing catch up. Mm. Because, yeah, you got those books at, in that you should have gotten in last week. Okay, cool. But that means you're not working on the books that are supposed to be coming out this week. Right. And it's going to take a long time for this to Well, we're out. not, yeah, we're not going to be out of this overnight, over week, yeah. or a month, you know, months. It's going to be, you know, maybe by, by, by next year. By, by, yes, yeah. yeah, so the book publishing but, industry, books are being pushed back. Yeah. Pump yeah. dates yes. are not being met. No. They're being bumped into, uh, in fact, you know, well, I'm going to report on this later, but I, <laughs> one of uh, our, our critics, our comics critics, reported that well, I wanted to vote for this book, but now it's been pushed to 2022. Yeah, yeah. So, and this is happening up and down. This is across all and, of book publishers. And in order to keep the print book sellers happy, they are trying to also delay the eBooks to go with those releases. Right. But the problem is, they can't always do it successfully. Yeah. So, for example, those same books I was talking about, um, Modao Zushi, for example, like. People were like, okay, the print book is supposed to be coming out, you know, Thursday. Well, the ebook showed up in everybody's pre-order wow. uh, Kindle on Thursday, but the books didn't show up until mm. like four or five days later in mailboxes or bookstores because the supply chain is also being deluged with all the Christmas stuff, too. Right. So it's just a mess. Well, and yeah. people are working hard at it, yeah. and we're still getting books, but it's... And you know, a rough time. We, you know, we should jump to uh, well, which, well, is the, which is the, the the elephant in the room is the sales are well, exploding. Yes. Yeah. I mean that was sales you know, are tied for I the mean, biggest story uh, of the year. Uh, uh, Absolutely, twenty twenty North American comic sales one point two eight billion dollars. That's combined periodicals and books. Um, uh, I can break it down, but it's a six percent. That's, that's twenty twenty. That's twenty. Well, it was yes. Well, we're always that. I mean, this was yeah. reported in twenty twenty. Yeah, but I, I mean, we've just heard anecdotally from all publishers and retailers too. Is you know the retailers will go complain about this, that, and you know this changes and that changes, and then they'll be like, oh, I'm having the best sales ever. I mean, literally with everything, yes. with lockdowns, with COVID, with supply chain, yes. it's like. Almost everybody is having their best year ever. Yeah. It's it's spooky. Sure. And even well, the digital side is exploding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, because people who normally would prefer paper and it's out of print, they got to buy digital. Yep. Can't get it anyway. Um, I, I mean, I, I do wonder whether some of this is, since most things have opened up and most people are not in lockdown, is change in consumption patterns that will last for years. That people who maybe didn't have the time to get obsessed with new books and new creators got that window of time during the lockdown and the semi-lockdown. And, you know, now they still want the next book by that guy. Right. That's right. You know, well, people have been, you know, one of the things people discovered in this COVID times in our quarantines is a, a love of reading. And uh, and other slower and, pastimes. Yes, yes. and a lo- and a co- uh, you know hand in hand with a love of streaming, and this has led to you know streaming and anime, and that has led mm-hmm. to this you know boom in manga sales when they can be printed or shipped here, um, but also graphic novels. I mean, we've Absolutely. seen we had two we had two stories at Publishers Weekly uh, this year, one by Heidi, one by Deb. 
uh, that talk just about this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The power and, of, an, of streaming for anime and for just uh, independent graphic novels yeah. in many ways. Yeah. Well, introverts and geeks and introverted geeks were joking the whole time <laughs> that we have been training for this all our lives. Yes. Yes. You know, like, <laughs> here... <laughs> We have many coping mechanisms for you, people who normally go out and party. Um, and yeah, I think, hey, so you know, lifeline. And I'm sitting home and are buying up stuff yeah, but, like crazy. And you know, we yeah. did see um, a massive, um, massive hit. Of course, Dave Pilkey continued to mm-hmm, be massive mm-hmm. sales uh, for cat uh, for Dog Man, but then he and, launches Cat Kid yeah, Comics yes. Club. Yeah. It's huge. I mean, you know, it's not always considered a comic, but Wimpy Kid continues to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, the probably the biggest franchise since mm-hmm. Harry Potter. Yeah, um, yeah and a lot that. more books. Congratulations, yeah. Jeff Kinney. Um, and probably the surprise hit of the year. Not so surprised, but like a breakout hit was Laura Olympus, which yes, kind yeah, of actually still on bestseller yeah, still list. Still on the yeah. bestseller well, list. Well, I mean, it's it's part of another phenomenon we're about to get into. And that's a perfect segue, yes, perfect. You know, as I said, will people read, uh, buy books uh, that are web comics that they can read for free? And the answer is yes, 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 they will. Well, and especially when if you want to read it for free, you have to tune in again (laughs) this time tomorrow to get your next teeny itty bitty free installment. That's correct. So, you know, if you don't want to make it five minutes a day for the next six months, you buy the book. Um. Yes, that's right, listeners. If you were in a hole hiding for the last year, we're talking about Webtoon, Tapas, and the other mobile Webtoon webcomic platforms that have found ways to finally successfully monetize mobile comics in English. Yes, uh, with great success. Well, they've they've certainly Black Sands Entertainment. We, and, said, we should throw that out yeah, there too. That's Sands. another one of the mobile well, there, there's, mobile apps. Right. There's, well, there's many. Tons. There's, there's many. There's tons there's of many. small. They're, they're the just, forerunners, but yes, <laughs> I, I just threw it out because I wrote a story about it. Yeah, but that's yeah. all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could, I could list you twenty, but I'm sure. not going to. Well, I, you know, we we've been talking about Webtoon and Tapas for a long time, but in 2021, they both just you know, I I, I jokingly call it the arms race, but they yeah. really uh, do seem to be in some kind of race because they're both owned by Korean uh, you know, parent companies, which are both gigantic tech companies. It would be as if Apple owned uh, DC and Amazon owned Marvel. <laughs> yeah, I picked those much. two on purpose. <laughs> and, um, you know, they were trying to see who could sell the most comics. Yeah. And they were willing to put in the money and the time for like a good 10 years of development, not just technologically, but quite frankly, I think, culturally, trying to crack the American market, and they've finally done it. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. I mean, a lot of what we're talking about are digital, you know, is our digital comics. I mean, they're just putting their their uh, uh, their uh, collaborative big toes into the Right. Well, let me, so let me jump so in here, though, because they both made pretty significant uh, acquisitions. Uh, Webtoon yeah. bought Wattpad, which is a um, yes. digital book digital, company. Digital yeah. book company. Yeah. And then Tapas came back by buying Radish, which is That's also true. a user-generated content. Yes, exactly. Not for nearly as big as... Not nearly as big, but, you know, they, no. they had to big buy... The, Asia. They had big to buy something. Yeah. And also, I mean, I do believe that the, the cacao acquisition of Tapas was completed yeah. this yeah. Year. Like you know, yeah. uh, oh, that's right. yes, neighbor yes. has early owned, this year. Early. Yes, neighbor mm-hmm. has owned Webtoon, uh, founded Webtoon mm-hmm. back in the day. But uh, Cacao 
pur- made their purchase of tapas uh, went through this year, and uh, as I understand it, uh, Cacao has a very long yes. history with, with web commerce, right? Didn't they invent the term webtoon or something? They did the I original. don't know that they, yeah, they did the original, it, but webtoon. they definitely are heavily involved in the industry. Yes, and they're heavily involved in the um, installment-based digital book industry over yes. there. Because yes. this is the difference between just an ebook right. from, but this is. I, this is what makes this business model different from buying your uh, digital graphic novel from Amazon or your um, digital uh, normal Kindle book from Amazon is that these are set up to be bought in installments. Yes, but I was going to say both of them made huge investments yes. in hiring because uh, Tapas uh, probably – the splashiest because they hired, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I can't remember when DC had their last round of layoffs. Was it only this year? I guess it was mm-hmm. when they laid off because they've had so yes. many waves well, of that's, layoffs. Uh, that's a big yes, story that, too. Early well, in the DC, year. we could just do a we should do a whole yeah. follow up and just talk about what's happened at various publishers. But anyway, uh, Tapas hired a whole bunch of ex DC people, Absolutely. including. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelle Wells to kind of run it, and then Jamie Rich. That was Jamie a big Richard, shocker because yes. he hadn't actually been laid off. <laughs> they just hired him away. And um, actually, I can't remember. I just, and we, well, we should certainly mention that we did we a, a, an in-depth interview yes. with the, both of them. And on then the they, oh, they hired, and then they hired um, yeah, I, Alex. Whole... I forget his name. Anyway, they hired so many. Alex <laughs> Carr. He was laid off, and they also hired Chris Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've hired like four pretty high-level print editors who are very experienced in uh, creating kids and graphic novels. So, so Webtoon came right back. Now, I want to say Webtoon seems to be winning some of these skirmishes. So they came back by f- hiring Bobby Chase, who was yeah. also laid off from DC Comics, and it's Bobby instrumental in uh, DC's very successful line of YA, uh, you know, yeah. kids and YA comics. And speaking of very successful YA comics Oh, yes, from right. DC, Correct, yes. Yes, more. Uh, DC has partnered with Webtoon to bring out... Uh, Gotham Adventures. I think it's uh, no, ba- Adventures of the Batman no. Gotham City Family. It's a good version of hey, guys. Guys, just give me a pause. Let me just hold on, guys. Guys, <laughs> quiet. Let me just look it up so we don't embarrass right. ourselves. I know we should remember the title. Gotham Family Adventures. Yeah. Um. Maybe the, I don't know. If that's the full Wayne fam Batman Wayne Family Adventures. Yeah, Batman Wayne Family Adventures, um, which is a mega hit, and it's rightfully a mega hit because it hits that sweet spot for a lot of fans that uh, some of the darker and edgier, or alternately, very much middle grade takes on Batman and his various coterie of teenagers weren't hitting. So it's, it's, you know, it's light, it's funny, but it's, it's not like small children and it's a mega hit. Yeah. Yeah, But I mean, I think, well, you know, there was a bunch of deals that rocked the comics world 
in 2021. Yeah. And DC teaming up with Webtoon was certainly one of them. Um, um, and we'll get to some more of them. Yes. But, um, uh, you know, it was successful. Now, they keep hinting more, but they, I don't believe they've launched anymore. And, you know, Marvel came back. I mean, the other mm. arms race. Mm. Marvel came back by doing their own original comics on um, their own Marvel Unlimited platform, which they relaunched. Yeah. But they took the opposite tack. You know, I think what we all liked about Wayne Family Adventures was that they took Webtoon cartoonists to take on the DC characters. It was yes. very successful. Which, and they were webtoon cartoonists who were clearly very familiar with the property, yes. who got it, who weren't creating anything that like DC fans wouldn't like, yes. but they brought a fresh perspective Absolutely. to it. Just as what you were saying earlier, how these uh, mobile web comics apps are changing the way yes. American comic storytelling Yes. You know, yes. And, and yeah, so we'll see. There's yeah. more to come. I mean, oh, uh, just Webtoon did win by announcing their own graphic novel imprint. Right. Okay. So mm-hmm. Tapas, even though they hired all these, all these print editors and we asked them when we talked to them, I said, well, are you going to move into print? And they said, oh, you know, uh, well, nothing to announce now. Well, the the <laughs> no, question, no I think the question is always, do you want to do it first or do you want to do it best? Yeah. So, so they may be like, okay, well, you're going to get to the finish line faster. It looks like. So maybe we'll hang back a little and, longer and see what potholes you run into. And I'd like to mention that um, I think just a couple of weeks ago here on the podcast, we had a panel that I did at um, yes, Anime NYC too, that really talked about the uh, connection of uh, web comics and Kickstarter and publishing, mm. and you know we've seen a whole and bunch artist of artist terms and rights. Yes, yeah. but there's, but I, I mean, I just think that there's, we've seen a lot of startups. Um, I'll just mm. mention Rocket Ship, which is another yeah. publishing a publishing company that's based on Kickstarter. Um, that you know works with a lot of webtoons and car- tapas artists. It's run by Tom Akel, who used to be at Webtoon. So anyway, we're just seeing a lot of new business mm-hmm. models spring up to take advantage of the web to print yeah. connection. And we can, you know, these ventures now they are very modest in terms of the number of titles. I think there's 12 plans for the uh, the uh, Wattpad Webtoon Studios. But we should also mention that uh, that you know some of the Wattpad major not uh, uh prose writers for instance Anna Todd with her, her mega bestseller after series she's doing a graphic novel version of it mm. so yes. that's coming yeah. out through um uh, Wattpad webtoon as well yeah. yeah i mean the they did it for cross pollination listen we sure. have people stuck at home um and they are desperate for content and we're just seeing the churn of content on ip there's just an ip um, constant churn well, for streaming, for um, the, for licensing, for yeah. and web. the nice thing about mobile comics is, unlike Quibi, it's something that really oh, well. <laughs> it, it's something that people will enjoy on their phone as a good format, a good device for it, whether they're at home or they're commuting, correct, and doing it on their lunch break. So yeah, people yeah. who've gone back to work, they can take their webtoon habit with them. Yes. And the people who haven't, well, they've got more time to spend on webtoon. That's right. That's right. Well, anyway, right. we were very excited to see DC and webtoon team up because it's really been a really crappy couple of years for DC. Um, Not been their best and yet. we hope that there might be some improvements, but yeah. it's pretty much up in the air. But anyway, and one of the big stories of the year was that AT&T was unloading the uh, Warner Brothers because uh, it was a big 
mess and they didn't know how to run it, obviously. You know, I mean, canceling Mad Magazine. I'll just leave it at that. You know, after they said they wanted to do branding, you cancel your longest running, you know, most recognized brand. Uh, anyway, yeah, so. And uh, they're most it, mainstream. Yeah. Yes. But also gutting the infrastructure of yeah. sales and distribution that, um, uh, that was basically the foundation of DC. Yes. Uh, so that's been a little scary. Um, uh, I can't speak to the comics that have been coming out. Um, I don't know if either of you can, but there's certainly something that we're going to keep an eye on DC and what, what it means. Uh, we haven't had a whole lot more news coming no, out. No, we haven't. Um, you know, I mean, they just hire, actually, they just promoted a bunch of editors. So that's kind of a good mm-hmm. sign, um, I will say. And, um, a bunch of the XDC people went out and started their own companies. You know, Adam Phillips launched his own kind of comics marketing company mm-hmm. and, uh, Fletcher yeah, Fong was- launched his mm-hmm. own kind of that's events true. company. So we saw a lot of people launching kind of consultancies and smaller little, you know, there was a great year for little, you know, modest startups. I mean, we didn't see any too big splashy startup. Although, you know what? What was that? That, that there was a company that was, uh, that digital comics company that had well, there was a number. I mean, I actually say this is a good year for startups. Right now, didn't Zoop start up this year? Well, too? yes, that's, Zoop. I mean, yes, a, you know, yes. Another, so we'll talk about Zoop. We can talk about that when we get to crowdfunding. Um, Seriously, and there are others. Unfortunately, I don't have them all at my fingertips. Well, I'm looking up. Oh, uh, Zest World. You know, we didn't talk about Zest World, yes. but um. Uh, because well, it's we talked a yet. little bit about it on a previous. We, yeah, we yes. brought it up a little. Well, bit. we talked about it just a little bit. But, uh, booty, b- booty pow pow. Yeah. yeah, you know, booty pow pow. Zest world says what it, says it all. But uh, yeah. Anyway, it's it's another. There th- that was a good year for like people launching new ventures and um, uh, of all kinds. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, um, you know, more to come on, you yeah. know, the yeah, Warner Media Discovery, uh, yeah, yeah, we don't really know. <laughs> I mean, the guy who runs Discovery, David Zaslov, seems like a kind of a, uh, down to earth, pulpy guy who might appreciate comics. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. And quite frankly, although it's an awkward partnership, at least an entertainment company with an entertainment company <laughs> will require a slightly more shared expertise than an entertainment company with a phone company. Yeah, well. We um, can only hope. Uh, you know, it's interesting since we're talking about big new platforms for comics, maybe we should talk about the other elephant in the room, well, yeah. Substack. Yes, well, that was a, yes. certainly one of the biggest stories of the year was Substack moving into comics. And... Um, you know, another deal that went through was Comixology Originals. Like, there was a lot going out yes. of Comixology, um, but they announced a huge deal with Scott Snyder, and uh, that, you know, shook things up. Now, they just announced this week that one of the titles would be coming out uh, from Dark Horse. So, uh, you know, the titles yeah. are coming out in print. They're co- right, so they're coming and, out in print. So that's uh, you know, and so yes. will the Substack yeah, ones eventually. Is, but because yeah, um, there, there is a print component so have to this. So any of you guys actually subscribed to any of these Substack newsletters? Uh, I have subscribed, but I haven't gotten anything. Really? Because I get tons of them every day. And maybe I need to check well, my I, email. I haven't subscribed to any of the comics ones yet because I'm sort of waiting to hear that they're actually producing some comics because I don't want my inbox spammed by a bunch of people being like, we're totally working on this comic, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, which for which I don't blame them. Things have a startup period. Mm. I get it. 
But I will hit subscribe when I'm actually going to get something I want. I think that's a good idea. Meanwhile, from Substack, I'm getting, you know, newsletters from some of my favorite science fiction authors, the the free version, and, you know, newsletters from some political commentators, the free version. I have yet to pay for a Substack, um, but I'm still getting some stuff from them, I subs- so it's worthwhile. I subscribed to James Tinians because I thought mm-hmm. he was very interesting. Um, we've talked a lot about him on the podcast, and he's been a guest on the podcast a few times. Mm-hmm. So I subscribed to that to, you know, give my second $7. Um, you know, I do get a lot of the free versions of them. I get Scott Snyder's. Uh, I love um, N.D. Stevenson. Um, they really, you know, they're doing comics again for it, and um, they're such a good cartoonist. So I really, I really enjoy reading those. Um, you know, so um, yeah, so we don't know. I, I think that's I a kind I of subscribe, but I may not. I yeah. gotta go back. I will. I'm gonna. I'm curious. You know, here's a big story um, that we didn't mention on here, but I do think actually this might be the big story of at least the first six months of 2022 is. The, um, you know, attack on, on books and libraries and schools. Yeah, this, and yeah. a lot of graphic issue. novels are being targeted. It's, yes. And, and it's organized. Very organized. Targeted. Yeah. And, and, you know, librarians and teachers are being mm-hmm. threatened with arrest yeah. for giving their kids genderqueer or, um, yes, Sherman Alexi. Yes, charged with ob- obscenity. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be a huge issue yeah. and it's going to take, uh, a concerted effort to to beat it yes, right. this is a very, very, very bad, and bad, bad thing. This is part of a larger trend of um, ultra conservative political forces emphasizing in the last year or two, post Trump not doing as well as he would have liked <laughs> in the last election, um, yeah, emphasizing emphasizing <laughs> local issues. Yes, and, and so it works. a lot of. A lot of people are showing up at school boards protesting things in school districts to which their children do not go, if they have children at all. Um, and, you know, a lot of people who are protesting these books in libraries, um, you know, they're doing it as part of a larger political movement. Um, and this is this is part of a larger right. And I mean, I think that's picture. what right. And I mean, we've reported from time to time on stories about a parent going and saying this manga yeah. or this graphic novel should be removed from the school. But it was a parent acting alone. This is a very organized mm-hmm. effort that's got a lot of backing. It's got money behind it, and it's very very yes. dangerous. And they really are ta- targeting the LGBTQ yes. community. Yes. So. And and the non-white community sure, as well, mm-hmm. yeah, of and the course. and the trans and queer communities as well. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, that would he just said LGBT oh, I'm sorry. community. I'm sorry, I, I, yeah, right. It can't be emphasized too right. much. Right, it can't be emphasized too much. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, where are we at? Um, um, do we want to throw out an issue here? Well, uh, you know, uh, let me see. Uh, okay, um, Kate, what's what's one of your? Well, one thing that can't be completely glossed over is that while it's been a bonanza year for uh, sales in the United States of comics and for sales of manga in book form in Japan um, their older model which I mean frankly I'm kind of astonished was lasting this long of um magazine collected issues where you know you it's an anthology a comics anthology that comes out every week mm-hmm. and you read your comics in there 
that's not doing as well mm-hmm. anymore. Right. And I think part of that has to do with lockdowns as well because people would buy things on newsstands. And if you're not walking to work, you're not getting that newsstand when you're waiting for the train. And so, you know, they, they're putting, I mean, they were slow to adopt, but they're definitely putting a lot more emphasis on, um, <clears throat> on use, on using digital as their equivalent to the floppy now because originally the anthology magazine was kind of their version of the floppy now it seems like they are committing to trying to make digital that for them um and i mean that's great for americans because we're getting translations day and date now but um their industry is undergoing a lot of turmoil right now um i mean it doesn't seem to be hurting sales as a whole but like shonen jump did a had a real bad year and they're like listeners if you're not if you don't know much about manga it's like imagine that all of marvel comics came out in a magazine every week that's how big these titles are that's how popular and it's it's in the print form it's just not it's not performing by its old standards well, it's very, and some others are too it's very interesting that we really have seen the resurgence of the book format I mean it's just mm. there's just no question that people like books mm. you know and they're interactive I always say this they're interactive <laughs> you know if you're you're reading a PDF and you want to find something in the PDF it's a real pain in the aspen to go back and find it on you know on your computer whereas if you have a book it's so easy usually you've dug it's it's the so page easy. anyway so there you go <laughs> I'm just saying it's like you know if you want there you go. So it's easy peasy. I'm reading a graphic novel and something happens to a character. I'm like, wait a minute. Is that the same character that did this? And I just flip right back to the very easily in front of yeah. It's much harder online. Yeah. Anyway. My guess is that digital is going to eat into floppy business over oh, yeah. time. Of course. It already has. It already has. But I mean, it already has. Even more. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I don't. But I think we're seeing that it's not necessarily eating into graphic novels. No, no, it's not killing shops. It's just killing, you know, it's just eroding sales. And then um, they find all these other new products to carry, and they're fine. So right, like graphic novels. Yeah, exactly. And um, doesn't need to be. Uh, well, speaking free. of which, we saw two kind of hallowed um, comic shops come back this year. Mm-hmm. We saw yeah. Steve Marks reopened in Brooklyn. I haven't been out yes. there yet. Yeah, yeah. and a great. Um, Mitch has got a great new location uh, at Industry City. Yeah. Um, where is that considered to be? What Sunset well, Park? Well, right? it's, yeah. It's, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's a. It's a beautiful. It's great. It's in. He has a lot of space. Yeah. It's. Not, have you been out to see it? I have not. I've been no. to Industry City before his comic shop opened. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So I know how hard it is to get to Industry City if you don't live next to Industry City. I mean, there is a subway. Yeah. No. It's what it, I well, mean is that it's a long subway ride. Is where I'm going with yeah. this. It, but it's, it's pretty easy on the subway. Conveniently, what? It's it, it's pretty easy to get there on subway. I I, I took the hard way to get there. Yeah. Just by boat. Don't take the boat. <laughs> Don't but it was fun. It was a great right. day. What I mean, <laughs> Industry City is not exactly the kind of central location that St. Mark's used to have. No, it isn't. But, no, not, no, but, no, yeah. it's, no. but it is <laughs> there for the people who want to make it's a pilgrimage. It's a shopping destination. Yes. It's absolutely a shopping yeah. destination for yes. South Brooklyn. And, and um, that place was swarming yeah. with people yeah. when I was But, you know, another comic shop reopened, Atomic Comics, which was no. a huge chain in Arizona back in kind of the go-go aughts, I'd say. And then it had shut down for various reasons. Mike Malvey is a very well-known. But anyway, he just reopened his store also. He got some funding. I was like, you know what? I want to come back. Um, 
And, you know, I, I keep hearing people at Diamond say that there are more stores open than have closed during this pandemic. And I keep writing to Diamond saying, do you have any document? You know, do you mm-hmm. give me the stats. Yeah. I will run this in Publishers Weekly. And they never <laughs> get back to me. So, um, so you know, I mean, they keep saying it. Uh, no, I, I haven't had any I would prove it. But I, I, I would it. probably believe it only because we're seeing similar things in independent bookstores. They continued. Uh, to grow incrementally, and it's not a you know a, a waterfall of new stores, but they're not shrinking. New yeah. stores and old stores are finding um, uh, purchases as as people age up. So well, and it there it, you go. It makes sense. It ties into a lot of these different economic trends we're talking about. One, you know, more people are buying books and comics in print, but two, like the Great Resignation, a lot of people have reprioritized their lives. Um, and and rethought their careers either because they wanted to or they had to yeah. Yeah. now. And so, I mean, it makes sense that a lot of people would say, okay, maybe I want to run a comic shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, uh, well, I'll offer up uh, the slow return of the in-person convention. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've, we're, we're starting to see the beginnings of it. Now, we may be seeing the beginnings of the end of it again as the Omicron variant... Um, you know, surges, but certainly, obviously, in our most recent podcast, we talked quite a bit about uh, the return of the New York Comic Con as an in-person event, uh, of Anime NYC as an in-person event, and on a much smaller scale, San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Special I, edition. I yeah. kind of think that we may not be seeing the end of in-person cons for a while, but we may be seeing the end of in-person cons in winter. I, listen, I think... I, I, I think they're just going to schedule them, not for November and December and January. That's you know all. what, you guys? I'll tell you something. If you want to bet some money on something for 22, put your money on some kind of live event. Because you know what? People are doing Oh, yeah. The, uh, just, I mean, yeah. We'll people are eager. People are incredibly eager to get out of the house and do things again. And, you know, Omicron be damned. I mean, honestly, yep. if you look at COVID's patterns, it dips in the summer. It's it's a typical flu mm-hmm. pattern. Right. And, uh, you know, we're going to see... So I they're think not, they're going to schedule around it. That's all I mean. Yes, absolutely. But they're going to they, schedule around the pattern. Well, you know, C2E2 and Emerald City were both just held back-to-back uh, two weeks ago, and they have both announced dates for August. So, yes, they are definitely doing yeah. it the Cape, Cape way. Um, yes. But, yeah, we're going to see... We're, we might see a little... I mean, they've basically gone into... Uh, lockdown right now just because of the Filmicron business, but um, yeah, they are totally coming back. And you know, listen, uh, there were still tons, uh, tons of online events, um, yes. which honestly, I mean, we've just tired of. We mentioned that, but the U.S. Book Show, uh, PW. Oh yes, we should talk about that. The yeah. U.S. Book Show, um, which uh, PW's um, uh, effort to step in and try to create a, a placeholder. For Book Expo, which um, you know, read exhibitions decided to that they're not in the business of doing no. online uh, conventions. They have no plans to bring it back. And no, no, they don't. Uh, but uh, we were lucky in that uh, an effort that we thought would be a modest success turned into a rousing success. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, uh, great for comics as well. But really, there were. Scores of books, scores of authors. Uh, we put on the, an online show. It will be held again at the end of May, once again in 2022. Um, you know, I did a, a number of panels, got to 
talk with Keanu Reeves about uh, what is it, Berserker? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, the number one comics project on Kickstarter. There you go. Which yeah, I forget how much it raised, but some insane amount. Uh, Keanu Reeves was incredibly charming and committed to the project. Uh, Meg Lemke, the PW uh, Comics graphic novels review editor, uh, did an eight-person panel um, with all kinds of. Do I have the the people that want it? Yeah, uh, with editors, you know, from you, you name it, Megascope, First Second, Graphics, Fanographics. Uh, they even they even hyped Archicurl Johnson's uh, awesome new graphic novel. Um, uh, uh, you know, I did. Um, uh, I did also. I forget. I did somebody else. I forget another the panel oh, with Ed Brubaker, uh, Andrew Iden with the new um, uh, continuing effort run. of March Run. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the U.S. Book Show. It was good for comics. It was good for books. Uh, it showed that the industry absolutely really wants some kind of all-in. Industry yeah. event well, show, you know, listen, of some the kind. Industry is a huge industry, and uh, it not having some kind of you know conference in North America is a little bit ridiculous. I mean, we have tons Absolutely. of book shows and book. We have tons of book fairs. Yes, this we do have tons of events, which are you know they also were gradually coming. The Brooklyn Book Festival came yeah. back. Yes, and, which, and, yes, and money abhors a vacuum. Yes. Yeah, I mean, just as Anime NYC came to fill the gap of a big con in the New York market. So too is something going to fill that niche in the United States, possibly PW's con in the long run. We'll see. Yeah. But like that's a niche that that wants to be filled. There's money to fill it. Yeah. Somebody's going to fill it. Yeah. So speaking of money, um, we've been talking about a lot of positive things, and there's a huge story that just started at the very beginning of 2021 that we haven't bought up yet. But we have to, because it's kind of a big deal. And it doesn't seem to be going away. It's just like a really bad rash that no matter how many ointments you put on it, it will not go away. And that is, of course, NFTs. Non-fungible tokens. So where were you the first time you tried to figure out what a non-fungible token was? Well, uh, I was at home reading a news article on my iPod. That's where I was. And I went, wait a minute, wait a minute. Does the emperor have no clothes? And I read into it in great depth and found that, in fact, the emperor has no clothes. Yes, exactly. Well, now, uh, yeah, go on. But we're, we're going to have more to talk about blockchain. And, and I say to someone who actually has a basic understanding of blockchain, it's not inherently a con, a con. No. But it sure does lend itself to it uh, for people who don't know what they're talking about. And, you know, NFTs, they can make a lot of money for artists, and for that I am grateful. But I think you'd have to be a fool to pay for one. Ta-da. Well, I mean, the best explanation of NFTs that I've heard was just that, you know, all these tech Tech edge lords have put off so much money into crypto over the years, but you know, there's not a lot of places you could spend crypto. So they kind of invented, they, they had to invent some kind of collectible that you could spend your cryptocurrency yes. on. And that makes a lot of sense because, you know, and then you can turn your crypto into money and buy anything yeah. you want. Yeah, you can do that. I mean, there, I mean, there are even a few ATMs. Yeah, but then you have to kind of go into the system. There, there's a few, there's even a few ATMs around the city where you can, 
go in and convert, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I actually wrote a story about the blockchain in 2018, which doesn't mean I understood anything about it, but I wrote the story anyway. Uh, and I basically had a BISG conference on the blockchain. As far as the NFTs, yeah, I mean... Um, You're buying bragging rights. You're buying yes. saleable bragging rights. I mean, it's a unique digital object. There is a price on it. I mean, you can cash it out to some extent. Yeah, um, if somebody else wants to buy it, yeah. you can sell it. But the fact of the matter is... And NFT is you have, quote-unquote, ownership rights to a digital work of art, which by its very nature, and by the nature of the blockchain, everyone has access to, everyone can right-click save, but only you, quote-unquote, own it. But by own it, I do not mean that you have any right to reproduce it, that you have any right to, you know, capitalize on the property. You're not buying the copyright to it. You're merely buying the NFT right to it. Yeah. The author retains the copyright. Yeah. So, I mean, it's great for the author. Why not? Yeah. Um, but you don't get a lot of benefit, in my opinion, as the person buying it. I'd, I'd personally rather buy a physical print where you actually got something out of it. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people with a lot of money to burn. That's it, exactly. And, and if they want to burn it by paying it to artists, then I guess uh, more power to Well, I hope and it's going to artists. I mean, I, you know, this business started at the beginning of the year with just insane prices being paid for, uh, I think there was, you know, $20 million paid for some digital yeah, art. For some, yeah. Uh, and, you know, by people. And, um, you know, listen, I will say this about that. It was not one little squibble. I mean, it was actually yeah. a pretty complicated and large, and yeah. know, a lot of effort yeah. went into that. It was, it was people's, basically people's entire catalog yeah. for several years. Yes, it was, it was, there was a little bit more to it, but it was still stupid. Yeah. Um, but, you know, now it's just, I, 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 I mean, every day, and I look at my inbox, like, you know, they've minted NFTs for every freaking right. thing. And, and you not know, only uses, that. Musicians are getting into it. And people, people, the there, guys there on my actually, softball team are yeah. trading. Oh, no. There have, there have <laughs> even been... The, in cryptocurrencies. There have even been the first uh, major NFT scam. Um, basically, <laughs> it has to do with apes. Um, Some kind of monkey see, monkey do thing. Well, it was that <laughs> one might say that the board ate yacht. Board Ape Yacht Club. Oh yeah, is a collection of digital NFTs, and there was a so-called spinoff, which turned out to be, you know, completely fake, called Evolved Ape. Where the investors invested millions of dollars in total on evolved ape NFTs, which were different little cartoons of apes wearing clothing and doing stuff. And it turns out they couldn't even be bothered to come up with enough art to sell everyone oh a unique NFT. But instead, it was a scam in that they uh, sold apes. That they had already sold. Wow. Terrible. How has this just happened once? <laughs> well, because, you know, it's, you would think it would be relatively easy not to break the law in this particular way. You just draw another piece of art, but they couldn't even be bothered. Wow. Anyway, massive scam. Um, lots of people 
invested in it saying, oh, well, this will be the next big thing, and it wasn't. You know, I listen, I have had people, you know, begging me, or not begging me, you know, I have people coming at me with NFTs all the time, Calvin, I'm sure you do too. Yes, and, uh, I do indeed. So, have we seen anything that's actually positive about NFTs? Yes. Any benefit? Yes. Yes. The uh, benefit is that some artists have gotten in on it and gotten money in their pocket. That is the benefit yeah. of it. Okay, From so they cashed in on a tulip craze. Yeah. Right, and a tulip craze didn't cost them any money. Right, so is there any other no. actual benefits no. of this? it just gives artists money, which, I mean, we're in favor of artists getting money. Yes. But it's otherwise just uh, the the new, like, digital pod. No. Right, but I would caution it being, I mean, I think it's all a big bunch of nonsense too but let's be for real this isn't going away no, developing it's, it's, uh, it's applications and uses and investments of one kind or another are going to come out of this well, out of uh, blockchain but out of the blockchain uh, I, I don't know where cryptocurrencies are yeah. going well, but, but, but more applications are coming right blockchain has many applications yes but the NFT at least as, as it is currently envisioned is basically a collectible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, collectible. yeah. You know, listen, that's... collectibles have also soared during this pandemic. Yeah. Okay? People have been, I mean, absolutely every kind of collectible is just like on fire. You know, so I mean, the, the, the rise of NFTs does not surprise me. I will say there's one thing that people keep telling me is cool about NFTs, and I've yet to actually hear it brought into play, but it actually could be kind of cool if, you know, they say that if the artist does create the art, and it's on the blockchain that if you resell the art, the artist would get a Yeah, you know, they a, do. A they small, get a cut. Yes, they, they get, get a cut. small cut so, if it gets resold. Right. So that, you know, that's yeah. a positive. That's a positive. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the good thing about NFTs is they give money to artists. Yes, yeah. yes. Exactly. And uh, we like giving money but to I know, artists. But I'm just saying that's an actual specific thing that and if that the blockchain does that other yeah and that real world art, art sales world. don't do i mean yes. obviously once you sell a work yes. there there aren't residuals yes yes uh even no matter how much that work may appreciate in value yeah. going forward no, the, so the residuals this is a, you may get are in the form of reproductions right yeah, yeah or it can make your later work i mean depending on someone who who has builds an art world career it can eventually affect the prices right. for your right or they can sell right. prints now, yeah. now just before we came uh, online uh, on the air we were talking about um kickstarter because kickstarter kind of kicked over the apple cart uh, last yeah. week by announcing that they were going to to build a new platform that was built on blockchain and they oh. would be moving Kickstarter to this new platform at some point in the future. And it does sound a little bit like, um, you know, pie in the sky, pie in the sky for them. But uh, there was a very quick reaction from a lot of creators, especially comics creators on Twitter, who were, uh, you know, uh, interesting that people on Twitter had a reaction, but they did, very unusual. And uh, they were negative. Yeah, um, it was a different reaction than Kickstarter was expecting, I think. Oh, no, they knew it. Oh, are you kidding? Of course they knew. They knew that people aren't going to like Because, we, we, you know, the reason people don't like NFTs is because of the power. It's, a, yeah. you know, it's seen as... I think if it wasn't for the power, power usage no one that care. has tainted mm-hmm. crypto yes. and yeah. the blockchain... The excessive and the NFTs, energy People wouldn't use. see as quite as negative. Now, yeah. everybody says they're moving to proof of stake. Yeah, I'm sorry. And there's some concern, I think, with... Uh, because there are crypto scams going on that they're going to somehow get caught up in this, which I think is perfectly likely. Right. Or, you have to make sure that the scam, the crypto thing being sold to you is legitimate yeah. and not the next crypto scam. Mm. Yes, correct. Um, so, yeah. So, so you know, I think 
we saw uh, an outburst of, of, well, I'm taking my cards and I'm leaving Kickstarter. Uh, we haven't seen Kickstarter uh, backing down at all. And, you know, I do think this is, they are a public benefit corporation. However, they do have investors. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, and you know, they want more investors. Probably yes. we're pressuring them to do this. Probably we're pressuring yeah. them to do it. And, yeah. You know, it's just like, I mean, they're like, oh, we're moving to this platform because it offers more. Uh, more ability yeah, more, to avoid uh, government yeah, just like, <laughs> like, holding us accountable I mean, for anything. Yeah, I mean, I know we could do. I mean, I should just go on Clubhouse. I should just go on Clubhouse and listen to it for like. <laughs> that's that, yeah, well, that's is, that did turn out to be sort of like ground zero for so, NFT, you know, chatter. Yeah, so let's let's take a minute for and very very quick. What is blockchain? What is it good for? Why is it evil? Um, so with blockchain, it's like the internet even more over <laughs> right? Where instead of your data living on um, some server in Arizona or your laptop, it is your this data is living on scattered in tiny bits across many, many computers. The idea being everything is so decentralized and not linked necessarily to a specific person's identity that it, it frees it up from, say, government interference. Yes, which can be a, that government. Which can be a beautiful thing when, say, you're trying to get your money out of the Philippines. Um, <laughs> no, that's an actual problem. I know what it is. Of course I know what it is. <laughs> um, but it's, and, you know, the, at least with cryptocurrency, you're just literally sending numbers. So it's still using power, but it's not using that much, comparatively speaking, per Bitcoin. But because every piece of data has to be distributed to a whole bunch of different computers all at once, and images and video are very, very uh, energy and data intensive. But you know, not all of them are stored on the blockchain. (laughs) Images aren't actually stored on the blockchain. I'm not well, going to get into that. No, no, you no, guys no. can go at it. Well, many times they are not, but sometimes people try to say, oh, mine is going right. to put right. it on the blockchain, mm. right? And so that's the problem with storing larger parcels of information on the blockchain because everything is exponentially multiplied from the, n- the amount of power and energy it's used like from a normal it's way. It's just like when you had an old email in AOL, somebody sent you know, uh, a mention, they converted it to a mind file. Remember that? Old Vaguely. Bloomers? And uh, our older Gen Xers and perhaps a couple of millennials. Yeah. Yeah. I have no all idea. Right. Yeah. All right. So are we yeah. done but, but basically, what the blockchain yeah. is? Basically, I was just going to say is that, yeah. that it's, it's currently investment bait. More to see here. Undoubtedly, any number of people will be using it in one way or another for wacky investment schemes in the future, possibly related to economics. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, listen, it's not going away. I do see people who are a little more idealistic getting into it. I hope they don't get burned. Um, good luck with your NFTs. Yeah. All right. On that note, I'm going to jump very quickly to uh, announce uh, something that's already been announced. The winner of the 2021 PW, a graphic novel, Chris Cole, established, invented, uh, kicked off, into, brought into the world by Heidi McDonald. Uh, the winner this year was uh, Alison Bechtel uh, in The Secret to Human Human Strength. Turns out, most notably, Say that title again, uh, The Secret, did I, did I yeah. mangle it? The yeah. Secret to Superhuman Strength by Alison Bechtel. Uh, and um, most notably, also, Alison Bechtel won the very first inaugural 
That's right, she did. Yep. P.W. Uh, graphic Novel Critics Award in 2006, and I believe it was Fun Home. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's so, uh, that a good call. Uh, a, a panel <laughs> of 15 uh, um, comics critics and PW reviewers um, uh, gave it seven votes to be the winner. Uh, coming in second was Run, uh, the continuation of uh, John Lewis's, the late John Lewis's Life and History of the Civil Rights Movement by Andrew Iden. Uh, a new artist, El Fury, uh, and Nate Powell, who worked on the previous volumes. And in third place, four votes, uh, are Kakuo Johnson's No One Else. Um, uh, so there, there you have it. The PW, uh, PW's graphic novel critics poll for 2021. Yeah, and there was a lot of really great comments. Yes, and, 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 and go to, go to see the piece at PW, uh, publishedweekly.com slash comics. Because really, it's really a compendium of some of the best books all the year. We we we, we lay out who got the votes and the honorable mention. And the honorable mention list is, is a, a lot long of list of all of the, some of the best books notable books this year. Yeah. yeah. Um. Just a couple of other little quick notes to wrap this up. Um. We did see, you know, nothing from Marvel really, but uh, they did a lot. Now it's a couple of licenses that were kind of exciting. Like they're doing the, the Modern Library. They're going to be in Penguin. Oh, it's going yes. to that's, do. Oh, yes, that's a big. That deal. is yeah. going to be doing some Marvel books. And yeah. then they also announced a deal with Tashin that's going to be doing mm. this gigantic 10-year Marvel library of $200 reprints. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just want to say I'm pretty sure these uh, deals, um, like, the, I, I, I see the fingers of Sven Larsen and John Nee oh, all over sure. these. Mm-hmm. John is the former publisher. I'm, I'm pretty sure he had something to do with these deals, and Sven Larsen absolutely something to do with these deals. So, you know, it's this printing money, you know, uh, Marvel license. And also, um, hey, you know what did debut this year was the MCU came back. It came back with WandaVision on Disney Plus. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, continued on. Uh, you know, what the Hawkeye is on now, which I'm really enjoying. Sold what a if lot. The, uh, what if the uh, animated series sold a lot of comics. Mm-hmm. Um, movies came back with uh, Shang-Chi and now Spider-Man is opening to today. Um, but the biggest comics media story of the year. Absolutely. We finally saw the Snyder Cut. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, how long was that thing? I four mean, hours. Four, four hours. I mean, I watched it over the course of three days. I watched it one sitting and I, I was you know, quite, it was fine. I had I no problem. I, I, I thought it was just an incredible, yeah. um, of course you give somebody four hours, hopefully they can make a good movie. Yeah. But you know what? It was much more satisfying, much more involving, great characterization. Reinserting, uh, the, the cyborg section. I thought was really impressive and really yes, powerful absolutely. to no, the entire it, it made the whole thing make sense. It absolutely did. And it really that's it it, it really sounded self indulgent at first, but it actually took these characters and made them people that you cared about a lot more in this Snyder version. And um, so, you know what? Props to Zack Snyder. And he really got his moment to shine. And now he's got this whole uh, new kind of franchise on Netflix with his mm-hmm. zombie movies. Uh, you know, enjoy. Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I my personal take is that everything he put into the Snyder Cut, he should have put in. But there were plenty of things left over that should have been taken out. Mm-hmm. I think that could have been a three-hour movie if you trim down some badly edited fight scenes but that's just me um but listeners there will there will most definitely be more to come on that as well as i mean while the end product made a lot of people happy the process of getting there involved 
many years of whining fans on the yes. internet demanding yes. the Snyder Cut. Yes. So now, I mean, it's true. Whining fans do not need any encouragement to whine, but this will certainly be empowering to the next guy who's like, but what if you recast this entire movie digitally? Yes. Or whatever yes. the next or, thing they're you know, demanding fire is. Kathleen Kennedy. <clears throat> And I'll, I'll, uh, in my, uh, my looking back, my recap of the year, with uh, a shout out to the the comic book workers united, yes, Uh, yes, uh, an unprecedented effort to unionize comic book workers at Image Comics. Uh, At this point, uh, we're waiting to hear uh, when a uh, an election will be held. Um, That's got to be set up by the National uh, Labor Relations Board. And uh, we'll probably be talking about this very quickly in 2022. Absolutely. So on that note, well, in the coming w- year. It w- you know, listen, I'll say this. The 2021 was a very transformative year for comics. Yes. I mean, it really, you know something? We yeah. went into it one way and we came out of it a different way. It's a very we different... We knew something had to change. Yes. And now we found out what has. Yes. And you know what? I think 2022 will be just as just as news-filled. Yes. Without yeah. a doubt. More coming. All right. And I guess in 2022, there will be... More... To... Come.